All right. Good morning. When am I going to stop starting the show with all right? What is wrong with me? You're very excited. <laughs> I am excited. The energy is good today. We're having, it is. We've made it an hour or so into our time and we're not tired. Something's going on. I don't know. Yeah. Good things are happening. With us today on Chicks and Pits on Studio C Radio, which is where you're listening. Maybe. Maybe you're on Pit Dorble. Maybe you're on Chicks and Pits. Maybe you're, who knows where you're at listening to us. But today with us, we have Bo Harrison and he is a dog trainer and he's actually not that far from us. He's across the river. It's a big deal for people in St. Louis. We don't cross the river. Nobody crosses that damn river. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's across the river. I'm like, guys, he's 15 minutes from me. Minutes. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's 15 minutes from the river. Yeah. Belleville. It's yeah. worth it. <laughs> Sam, our producer, is from Belleville. So he was uh, raising the roof and really excited. Oh, that's right. I forget Sam's from across the river. Woo. Oh, I'm- <laughs> Sam is from across the river. So, Bo, thanks for being with us today. Tell thanks for us me. a little bit about your uh, dog training facility. Um, well, we're in Belleville, Illinois. I work out of a kennel called Hillcrest Kennels. Uh, it's on 159, um, about a mile and a half south of the Route 15 exit. Uh, we specifically work with um, not necessarily. We, we work with pretty pretty bad uh, issues type type of dogs, but we, we work with normal pet owners that just have wildness in their pups as well. Normal dog training things, but uh, we, we are personal session trainers and boot camp trainers, so we don't do any like group setting type stuff. We specifically are are, are very. Uh, it's a really personally uh, set up business. Okay, so it's all one on one. Ooh, which is good, and particularly helpful if you have dogs that have specific problems. Group lessons are not real helpful if you have adult dogs that have specific problems. You have one of our adorable babies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Kaya. We we worked with uh, Kaya. We helped Kaya. We had her for about five weeks doing a boot camp. She was... She was really wild. She was very sweet. <laughs> really wild. Like, very sweet. Very sweet. Um, when we got Kaya, I instantly knew the type of the dog and type of training she was going to need to go through because she she wasn't aggressive, but she just had energy flying in all different directions. And so... And she was um, really irritating. And Kaya's mm-hmm. actually... Listen, wait a minute. Hold up. People say that about me, that I got energy going in all different kinds of directions. So does that mean that mm-hmm. I need a five-week boot well, camp? Well, you know what? If you start tackling me every time we come into <laughs> record, you're, I'm going to send you to boot camp. That's the deal. Uh-huh. If, you, if you tackle me at the waist and step on everything that I own every time I see you, I'm sending you to boot camp. Listen, some days— and, and, you know, like when you say, does that mean that you need a five-week boot camp? I think that's relative to who you ask. <laughs> he makes a good point. That is. It depends you know, on. I don't find you irritating at all, but I'm serially peppy. So there are a lot of people that find me super. I I almost I think I make people irate sometimes. I'm one of those people. You either love me or you hate me. There is no gray scale. Yeah, but me too. I think well, that's a good quality. Honestly, I do too. You, you have five thousand Facebook fans, so you can't be too bad. Oh, not yet. That's my goal. Oh, okay. I'm at twenty three hundred. Right. That's still. Okay. 2,200, 2,800 more than me? How many but after I, I tap out this first round and get five, you know, Steve Ewing from The Urge and owns Steve's Hot Dogs, which I don't know if you ever cross the river on this side and get yourself a Steve's Hot Dog, but I highly recommend it and a beer from the TikTok Tavern. They did not sponsor <clears> that. I just highly recommend you do it. Steve um, Ewing rocks. I love him. <laughs> he has 5,000 Facebook friends. I can't be Facebook friends with him. Makes me so angry. Because he has more friends than you? <laughs> no, because Facebook told me no. Oh, so you can't because he's full. He's yes. full. 
That's sad. I know. I love Steve. And I hear he makes really good hot dogs. I, oh, my God. Let's go right now. I haven't been there, but I hear really, really good things about it. You know, we used to go see him in hot high dogs, school. Hot dogs, chicks and pits. I mean, it's, it's a win-win situation. I know. We used to see the urge all the time. Back in the day on. at, where, where was it? At Mississippi Nights. Mississippi Nights when they were cool before they closed. Yeah, that was a long time together. ago. I don't know. I used to go when I was I like 14. Me too. We were there together. <laughs> In the mosh pit, probably beat the crap out of you. Sorry, we got really distracted there for a few minutes talking about wild energy. Okay, tell us more about Kaya and her experience with you. Mm, Kaya. Um, Kaya came in. She was very wild. She just jumped this way and flailed her body that way. She had no control over her mannerism. She just had this, like, look in her eyes like she could run for seven days straight and not get tired. Um and so there's a lot of trainers I think that would take a certain uh, uh, take a, a certain route with her that I, that I just didn't I, I knew wouldn't work. And so me and my um, apprentice we had a, a long talk about the the way we were going to train Kai, and it ended up working out just like we wanted to. You just had to take that energy and hone it in on constructive on constructive things. And she ended up training beautifully, but we really had to take it a little slower with her, um, even though she was very very smart. She was easily distracted, so a lot of distraction work. We had to get her to ignore dogs and cats and birds and squirrels and she things had, first. She had canine ADHD. That's her problem. Mm, exactly that's right. why she drove me that's crazy. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why you right. guys got and, along so well, Kate. That's what Katie No, it's no. I was yeah. Kaya actually was the one I hated. Bless her heart. She drove me crazy because she I— She did not hate her. She greatly— dis- I, she aggravated the, <laughs> but that's why I sent her to Bo. I met Bo and I'm like, listen, I have this dog. You got to help this dog because I can't, because she's too crazy for me to send somewhere else. And I, I know lots of things about dogs and I'm very good with lots of dogs, but I'm not actually a behaviorist or a trainer. And there are many things that I don't know. And so I often need outside sources. And Kaya was definitely not your typical Puppy. Well, you know, she had some typical puppy things, but she was she really needed a special hand. And Bo really saved her life because I was you know, out of ideas. You just don't see dogs like Kai every day. You don't find her. Every, and, and she had this sweetness. She wasn't aggressive. She didn't deserve to be put down. But the amount, the type of dog that she was would be too wild for any owner. Right. Any I'm owner right. would be just, she would be too much for anyone. And I, unless you're a dog trainer. And so, but I will say that I, in my opinion, I think, I think she trained up beautifully. Oh, she did. She's she, angelic. She did a, a 180 degree turn and, and now she's just wonderful. And she's got this just lovely look in her, in her eyes. This just sweetness she's, to her that we just and love. She, oh, and that was, I mean, really, no matter how crazy she was, that's why she made it, you know, a good two months in my mm-hmm. house with nowhere else to send her was because she'd I mean, first of all, she's a puppy, but she also had this sweet face, and I knew that all she wanted was to be loved, that she was sweet, mm-hmm. that she was loving, and that she just desperately wanted somebody to love her. It was just but, very but difficult to love obnoxious. her while she was flailing all over me. Mm-hmm. She was obnoxious, so everybody that meets her sends her away. And what we needed to do was coach her in, you know, when you see a dog that wants, that has that motivation to, to gain that love, you just got to show her how to constructively gain it. And then she's going to fall right into that that same exact 
path every single time. If you show her, hey, listen, everybody's been ignoring you and shunning you your whole life, and all you want is to be loved, here's the exact path on how to earn the love. And bam, she hits that path over and over and over and over, and now it's like her fail-safe, you know? And it was, yeah, and and it was perfect, and I picked her up from training. She spent two nights with me before she went to her, her new foster, who was a foster to adopt, um, and they're going to keep her there in love with her. But she was a totally different dog. She was a totally different dog. And and all of that sweetness I knew was in her had had been allowed to come to the surface because she'd managed to stop flailing everywhere. And she was, you know, she really wanted, she had learned, you know, if I do these things, it will please her or him and, and I will get the attention that I want. And it was really amazing to have that transition. Her, so now I recommend Bo to everybody. I'm like, listen, send your dog to Bo. He so can fix him. So what you're saying is that when we have a difficult dog, from now on, they just go to Bo. Right? Don't call me. Call <laughs> Bo. <laughs> I appreciate I that, it. you guys. I love that. You guys are you guys are wonderful. You know, Kaya needed to learn two things. Okay, she needed to learn the art of nothing. All right. Which is, is one of my favorite you phrases. Dog, by the way, some of you guys get these wild border collies, poodles, pitties. Yeah. Um, whatever these wild energetic dogs and the pities are usually kind of lazy, but sometimes you get these working pities like, like Kaya and they just need they, what they need to learn how to do is how to sit still for long periods of time down, you know, long downstays and things because she needed to, to hone in that energy and figure out how to sit still. She didn't know how, she right. just knew how which, to move. which she I love it is, is my favorite phrase is now is now what I use all the time. The art of doing nothing. So we're going to talk more about the art of doing nothing and more with Bo when we come back. Right on. This episode is sponsored by Cranky with a K, canine dog training. You can find them at crankycaninedogtraining.com, owned by Bo Harrison. They focus on crate training and potty training, and they do individualized training and boot camps. Excellent. Well, thank you for being uh, with us today. We've got Bo Harrison from over in Belleville, Illinois. He is a dog trainer at Cranky Canine Dog Training, right? Cranky Canine Dog Training. Awesome. And Bo is teaching us and telling us all about the art of nothing, which, listen, the more we talk about Kaya, the more I feel like Kaya and I are like kindred spirits, like soul sisters together, because maybe I do need this boot camp, but I'm pretty sure I do need to learn the art of nothing. The art of doing nothing. Well, and now it doesn't count. Like now, you could go hang out with Kaya, and you'd love her. I, you, <laughs> to hang out with Kaya before she would have just jumped on your head. Basically, that's yeah. Much- she was a wild one. What, what, what Kaya needs to learn is the same thing that everybody that owns a border collie needs to learn, or anybody that owns a Malinois needs to, Belgian Malinois. They're, they just don't know how to sit still. And so we talked about the art of nothing, of doing nothing, how to sit still and chill out and relax and be lazy like your owner is, right? Because in the industry, we see all this emphasis on exercise, okay? Everybody everybody knows what I'm talking about. Walk mm-hmm. your dog, walk your dog, walk your dog. We need to focus on getting this dog and getting him to work. And there is so much, there's so much quality, such a quality message being sent there, right? Um, get out, walk the dog, exercise the dog. But the entire reason to exercise the dog is so that you can create a paradigm of inside is for inside energy and outside is for outside energy. Right, which is an and idea so, I love. Like, right, exercise the dog, but, and, and I have friends who complain, it's like, well, 
you know, my, my girlfriend, it's like, I'm going to do this trainer. She wants me to like walk this dog 20 miles. Like, it's great. But if I walk the dog 20 miles a day, then the dog, you know, builds up a resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they become athletes. And that's just it is when you look at your own life and you're like, okay, so I've got this dog who is wild and I am just straight up not. I'm lazy. And I don't really, you know, I, I don't want to become an athlete, but if I run the dog for a mile, tomorrow it's going to want to run a mile and a quarter, and the next day it's going to want to mi- run a mile and a half, and I'm going to create an athlete. So what we call right, So our, you're going to have a really energetic dog that can go further. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, you're building an athlete that's making them more and more crazy. So what you have to do, it has to be a balance. It has to be a yin and a yang, and you have to teach them that outside we will commit to exercise so that we can take the energy level down. But when we come inside, we have a second effort that needs to be taught, and it's learn how to sit still. But the only thing, they work together as a team, and you can't teach one without teaching the other. You can't teach a dog to sit still if they're bursting at the seams with energy that needs to be released, right? right. So it's this double-edged sword in a way, this, this double effort that has to be done outside is for outside energy, you know, and, uh, uh, satisfy the dog's craving for movement. And then when we come inside, it's like, as soon as they walk through the door, this cloud of rules and discipline comes about over them and says, okay, now it's time to settle down, chill out, relax. Now, a huge tip for our dog owners listening that is, are wanting to implement this in their home. Just do not throw the ball in the house. <laughs> I have so many clients that I come and there's toys everywhere all over the place. And some folks don't realize that a toy is not really, it's, it's not really there for the dog to throw around and play by himself. It's there for you to interact with the dog. Right. And so we allow the toys outside, but inside we're not going to be throwing the ball down the hallway. Because what you're doing is turning your living room into a playground and you're allowing the dog to understand that this is where we act crazy is right here inside. Right. We and want to if you have small children, sometimes it's a hard thing to impart. I'm like, stop running around. The That's dog's right. being quiet. Yeah. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, we want we want to make sure that no matter, you know, it's just, and I'm, 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 my mom and grandma, grandma as a kid said the same thing to me. Like, stop running in the house. You yeah. want to do that? Take it outside. Um, I actually yelled that at my dogs. I don't think they hear mm-hmm. me, but they learn to respond when I open the back door. Well, I need Bo for more well, than just uh, Kaya. We do. And when we think about that, too, dogs don't speak English, right? No. So we have to communicate in different, more, uh, you know, different ways. But um, Mine have but, figured uh, out they're pretty good. I think they know that phrase because I, I yell, take it outside, <laughs> and they all show up at the back door. But that's because uh, we've done it for years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a repetition thing. Yeah, they have. They get into their... Yeah, and they their, learn to uh, associate that phrase with, like, my, my dogs don't respond very well to walk, but, like, take that outside, they all show up. They're like, yeah! <laughs> what do you mean awesome. by that? What do you mean by that, uh, Katie? They don't resp- respond well to walks. What do you mean? No, I mean, they don't, they don't respond to the word walk, because I usually oh. don't say the word walk. Gotcha. So they don't, because because when you say, let's go on a walk, the dogs get really excited, Then every time you mention it in conversation, all the dogs show up really excited, and you have to disappoint them. Yep. So we don't I work, say that at our house either. So I try not to use that trigger when I when I take I my dog walk somewhere. My dog. Yeah. <laughs> Even oh. when we walk them, I don't say like we're going to go on a walk or let's. I I don't know what I. But usually I just get the leash and the dogs show up. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. walk my dogs. But so they don't. They my just dog. they just don't respond to the word walk like some dogs. Do. Although I have had, which is why I don't say it. I've had dogs do it. It's also why I don't feed my dogs people food because then they drool on you forever. 
Yeah, we don't yeah. do people food either. And, and this is the same reason why you don't throw a ball in the house, because if you throw a ball in the house, that dog's going to be dropping it in your lap for the rest of your life. Whatever. And it's yeah. going to be nasty and slimy, and you don't want it knocking over all your furniture, mm-hmm. which yeah, is what they do. It's one of those things. Inside is, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because we teach our kids these things, you know, like saying grace before dinner and then being excused from the table. And for some reason, we see a lot of benefit in that with our children. We think, wow, we're going to put this discipline for the food before and as well as after because we want our kids to grow up to be, you know, well-mannered children. We don't do it with the dogs, though. We just leave an open bowl of food there for them to eat. And to me, I'm like, why don't we structure our feeding in the same fashion that we would with our children at Christmas time when we got 10 relatives around the table? Let's... Yeah, I'm, you know, it, to me, discipline for the food—that's your sit and your sit stay and release to eat the food. I'm always baffled by that too. I'm like, well, you put the food, and people are like, we just leave a bowl of food down. I'm like, oh, I, I forget that's an option because mine are like that's, that's a dog fight waiting to happen, that's, or or, a, or which a is why I don't bite. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a child bite waiting to happen, and people, a lot of kids get bit over th- over bowls of food just laying around. You know, right. they, well, that's they, always like one of our rules when we send dogs off. Is you know, people feel different ways about crates, but I tell people that we recommend that that you they, crate your children. I would love to crate my children, <laughs> but that we crate that you crate the dog for at least the first two weeks while nobody's in the home and at night mm-hmm. until you know yeah. the dog well, and that you feed them inside their crate. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where all of our dogs, we have, you know, we have two of our, our house dogs who don't have a crate, but they have spots in the house where they eat, which are in different rooms. That they go and they sit and they eat, and the other dog's not allowed in the room, whatever. But No, no um, Katie, you hit on something. All our other dogs eat in their crate. And so not only does it bring a good association with the crate, happy things happen here, but they have their own safe, closed space, and that's where they eat. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's great. But where can we find you, social media, for anyone who's listening that has a problem dog that would like to connect with you? We've got a, uh, we have a Facebook um, page, um, Cranky Canine Dog Training. It is spelled with a K. Um, we thought it was cute to spell it with a K because, you know, K9 is, is with a K, but then now you can't find it on Facebook. Like- but it's K-R-A-N-K-Y. <laughs> And then letter K number nine, dog training. It's on Facebook. That's also the website, cranky canine dog training.com. Um, and, um, but you can find us on social media. We, we, uh, post, oh, funny dog memes and funny dog videos like everybody does, but we try our best to put up, uh, um, you know, client updates. We'll put pictures of our dogs and clients that we're training or some of our boot camp dogs that are in with us and their progress. And, and a lot Kai's of the reason been that up there, we, she's made the page. Awesome. Oh yeah, Kaya was Kaya's got a lot of a lot of pics up there. She was uh, she had some pics whenever we took her to PetSmart because we after we train the dogs we take them into high distraction areas like PetSmart, veterinarian's office, downtown Belleville, whatever, just to to throw more at them and challenge them further. And so we took a lot of pet pics of her at PetSmart while she was greeting. And um, I think it was around Christmas time too. I think there's one with a Santa hat on that's real cute. I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be right back. So just stay with us. Thank you. Pit Dorable is having an adoption event. Come out and see us April 10th at Groomer Has It Pet Resort and Spa at 2023 Lime Ferry Road in St. Louis, Missouri. It's going to be 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So stop by and see us and meet Katie back. All right. I got to stop saying the word all right. You know what? There's this... 
there's this thing when you're behind a mic that you like habitually say the same thing over and over again. And you realize it sounds horrendous every time you say I, I, it, but you can't stop. I think it's your anti-princess voice movement. That's it's my, a nervous, my theory. It's a nervous tick is what it is. It's like biting your nails. It's like a, you know, it's like a, like a way to start, to, you know. Right. But there's nothing else there. When there's nothing else there, that's there. You I know. know. It's, 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 like, it's like starting a conversation into white space. It's a little disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Mm hmm. Like you watching a call paint sign, right? Like, it's not that Like bad. a regular call sign, like a news anchor would use. I know. Good morning, San Francisco. That's right. That's right. Go watch Anchorman. <laughs> okay, a couple so of times not San and you'll come up with a good one, you know? Good morning. To the Gateway Arch. No, I don't know. Uh-huh. We, need, right. we need something. We'll come up with something. We'll something, something, something. We used to have these really awful princess voices, and so we'd go. And you're listening to... Shut up. I still bring us in with a princess voice. I can't help it. It's a nervous tick. I answer the phone in that voice, too. Freaks people out. It's terrible. <laughs> so, you know, um, right before we left, though, Kate, you had hit on something um, that I thought was important that we should probably come back to, and it was crate training. Oh, right? crate training. So you said, right before we left, that we want to keep dogs in a crate for the first two weeks, right? Well, I, and, I ask people for a minimum of the first two weeks, at least while they're not being supervised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that fits into what we were just talking about with learning the art of doing nothing and inside is for inside energy and outside is for outside energy. Crating, when folks go to work and they put a dog in a crate and then the dog learns to sit still for long periods of time while you're waiting, while you're at work. Well, when the dog becomes two years old and you decide that, okay, he's mature enough to let's start to give him the run of the house a little bit at a time, one room at a time, not the whole house all at once. What he has, he's got two years of skin in the game at just sitting still while you're at work. So right. then you can graduate from the crate to a pet bed in a room that's been gated off and give him the more freedom to move around, get drink water when he wants to, whatever. With older dogs, put in a pet door if you want. But you hear, you hear I say with older dogs because mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of maturity that needs to come along with the pet door. Oh, definitely. Um, but... But with but what the dog at two years of age has learned for quite some period of time now is how to sit still for long periods of time while the owner is gone. And so you undo the crate door, the dog comes out, and he comes out, lays on a pillow, and does the same thing he's been doing for the last two years. Right. And we have, like, my personal—well, my, my, my poodle mix, which all our listeners, if you've listened for a while, know is crazy. She just stays in her crate regardless because she, she likes her crate. We, we paid big money to convince her to come out of her crate and pee outside. Um, but our other personal dog, my three-legged pit bull, isn't crated, but he spends the whole time sleeping, and he actually will go into our into my bedroom, and he sleeps under the bed because. But he's the one we don't crate because you know he's three years old. He's been in our house for all, and we did for the first six months or the first year that we had him, even though he was over a year old, we crated him. You set the status quo. You know, you created a paradigm, and then you you know, so that's. Right, and so with all of our, and you know, and particularly with all of our new rescue dogs that come in, because often they aren't foster dogs before they come to my house, we crate them because it helps to set that standard, and also because we don't leave the dogs unsupervised together, period, for a very long period of time, until we're really confident on what they're going to do, you know, if the mailman shows up or or whatever. We We had one pit bull who was like five, we still had to crate him, because if we weren't home and the mailman showed up, he ripped down all the blinds in the house, no matter where he was, so he got crated whenever we left the house, because it's really irritating to replace blinds. 
Sounds yeah. like a terrible process. It really is. And he was he just he opened windows. He ate our windows. We he was better crate. See, I can't crate my dog because she vomits. In like crate? out well, the you're, door. You're, this is a lack of crate training that happens there with the vomit, like you're saying, um, or vomiting is a pretty extreme response, but a lot of times there's some folks that'll crate their dog and they'll sit there and pant and slobber and yes. it's an anxiety. It's an anxiety that's come over the dog. And when you get these types of anxieties, there's a couple of things at play and it's a lack of experience. It's a lack of training. It's a lack of communication from the owner to explain what the item is, why it's there, what it does, how we use it. You have to explain every time I put you in there, you will always come out. You have to explain it's a positive thing to go in there. And there's this process, and it should be done the very first day that you get your rescue dog or puppy or whatever it is. Because what most people do is they use a crate. But before you use any tool, I don't care what tool it is, there's a process of education that goes into it first. And then you can use it. And and most dogs, uh, you know, we show we say dogs are crates. It's like, well, the puppy cried, and so we let it out. I'm like, okay, well, then the puppy's going to cry every time you put it in the crate until you let it out. And yeah. it's like, well, oftentimes dogs don't start out loving their crate. They cry, they make noise, they claw. I get that claw. it's like a behavioral science thing, but yeah. I'm also a big sap. So I have, yeah, I haven't you had any puke puking time, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out. I would totally <laughs> just, like, rescue remedy the dog and lock her in there and come back later, see how it worked out. If Although I really hate dog, cleaning puke, so I might. That might be the I tipping point. When I do my boot camps. Um, when I do my boot camps, we get them at eight o'clock in the morning. And the reason why is because what I understand about that dog is that I got about 10 hours to crate train this dog before he's going in there for eight hours to sleep at night. And I don't want to be up at two in the morning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> crate training the dog. So I pick him up at 8 a.m. and then we're in and out of that crate with positive reinforcement, love, treats, toys, That's whatever brilliant. it is, trying to make sure that the dog sees the item as a comfortable place and that there's all this reward. And then by the end of the day, oh boy, we've made this game out of it and he's just having a good old time. Um, and we're also putting discipline to it, allowing him to understand how to stay in the crate with the door still open. Most of the time, people trap the dog with an inanimate object that they cannot reason with. Right. And what we need to do is say, listen, here's this item that I am in control of. I'm not going to trap you with it. I'm going to make you, I'm going to have you go walk right on in there with your own four feet so that you're, if you do end up trapped in there, well, you made that decision all on your own. I didn't just shove you in there. Oh, yeah. We always, which is part of why we advocate feeding the dog in the crate because we encourage, I always Mm -hmm. bribe the dog into the crate. Take biscuits, take food. Don't, we, I, I want, I want the dog to both go into the crate under its own steam and come out of the crate under its own steam. It's like, don't stick your right. fingers in the crate. If the dog doesn't want to come out, don't put your hand in there. Wait a minute. So, <laughs> do, Bo, when you have a dog for boot camp, do they stay with you? Um, we have, um, I have a kennel that I rent space from, right? And right. so we've got a four by ten pin inside, four by ten pin outside, and that is the general place where they will stay most of the time. And how long um, is that just last? Just because for? I have a. Just because I have a family at home that I that I can't. Oh yeah, bring them home no, all I didn't mean like stay at your but house. I, have, I just meant like, do I have to keep driving have a, my dog back and forth to Belleville, or do you keep her and make her not so nuts? No, if they do oh, boot right. camp, you get well, like well, two well, weeks. I, and I, and I, I do keep them in my house quite a bit, actually. I, I do bring them home here and there. I have an entire my house is set up for dogs, and and so there are times whenever I bring them home for like extra credit homework, basically. But yeah, when you leave your dog with me for a boot camp, I keep them for the allotted time that you've chosen. 
And so we do a one-week boot camp. We have a two-week, we have a three-week, we have a five-week, and we have a 10-week, which is a really, really intense course. Um, but they do stay program. with me the entire time. There's not a back and forth. There's not a back and forth. Yeah, they. I, I basically am in custody of your pup. Um, awesome. And it is, it's fabulous. Frame. You send it off and Bo, right, Bo fixes your dog. And then here's the trick, though. Then you got to show up to pick the dog up, and then Bo has to fix you. So oh, you yes. have to then at- attend your training classes so you uh-huh. know all of the training and can handle the dog and know what to how, how to we, get those responses out of your dog. And here's another thing that's added on to that. So let's say I keep your dog for three weeks. We kept Kaya for five, I believe. But then mm-hmm. we do lessons. And we're doing lessons with your foster right now, Adam. And, um, but we, we um, have unlimited personal lessons after the dog comes home. Lifetime help guarantee. What that means is that once I take the dog and work with the dog and give him back to you, you can come back to me for as much human training as you want for the life of the dog. Okay. What that also means is that this lifetime guarantee, it follows the dog. So let's say that Kaya, who came to me for five weeks and we fixed her and sent her to her new foster, who's doing a wonderful job at, at continuing the training. Let's say that this foster decides to give her a new home to send it to somewhere else. That next owner can come back to me for owner training as well. The 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 uh, guarantee follows the dog, not the owner. That's Which, awesome. It is, and it's also so, a really great deal because most trainers who offer lifetime training for the dog offer lifetime group lessons, which, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, is different than one-on-one lessons and not always helpful. Yeah, after the dog has been well-trained, group lessons can be quite beneficial because it's really just a matter of extra distraction at that point because the dog already gets it. But to take some psychotic, crazy dog and put it into group instantly is going to create too much stress way too soon. And so, but yeah, our lifetime help are personal lessons, not group. Yes, that's correct. That's so awesome. Bo, thank you so much for calling in with us and giving us your time. I know you're a busy guy, so we really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you in the future. Yep, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me.